If you're looking for a show about everyday black dreamers and doers, you've come to the right place. Join me on a quest to find ordinary people doing extraordinary things, reinterpreting the rules of the game in order to achieve life on their own terms. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. listener of Black Gold Podcast, welcome to this special Juneteenth episode with Zakia Akovale, the author of the new book, Dump Your Degree, where she teaches how college students can utilize their degree in such a way that they actually get a return on it. We then talk about the importance of having an attitude of gratitude and just having a basic mindset from gratitude. How students can also master acquiring skills in specific ways that she lays out in her book. And in honor of Juneteenth, we discuss what true freedom is for students who do not have student loans running their lives. And she talks about in her book different methods which we discuss that students can utilize in order to get rid of their student loans in a more quick and effective manner. So sit down, tuck in, and get ready to listen for this new Juneteenth special episode with Zakia Akovale on Black Gold Podcast. So today with me, I have on the Black Gold Podcast, Zakia Akovale. She is PhD holder in religious studies and the author of the new book dump your degree and it's a guide on how we can utilize college students that's the we are talking about how we can utilize our degrees in such a way that we don't end up graduating and having to wait until we are qualified for jobs that we have the degree in or that we need. It's one of those conundrums where you need the experience in order to get the degree, and you need to have the degree in order to get the job. And so it's one of those things which chicken and egg, which should come first. And the key that she's telling us, we got to dump the whole thing. So Zakia, tell me exactly, if you don't mind, Tell the listeners, what made you want to write this book and why should we students dump our degree? So it's not literal, but if you want to dump your degree, you definitely can. A lot of people end up working in fields and industries that are not relevant or related to their degree field. So they definitely can pivot their career in a way where the degree is not utilized. But it's more so me telling people not to make the degree the focus of their career. A lot of times people get degrees and they say, okay, the next logical step is to find a job in that industry. And then when they find themselves unemployed or working jobs that didn't require the degree or they are underemployed and overqualified, all these different things that they can end up being where the degree is not being utilized. I'm basically saying, hey, stop making that the focus of your career's journey and start looking at the sum total of your talents, your skills, 
um, and the degree if possible, but other things that you can utilize to develop a career that you enjoy. So I'm really curious, how did you mm -hmm. end up going on this, on this odyssey of discovering that people who have degrees that are basically by the time they go to school for them, by the time that they get out of college, the, the, the degrees are practically useless. How did you <laughs> discover all of these things that people need to do in order to make sure that once they get out of college, they are then useful in terms of the job market for the discipline that they have and they're able to get the job or the career that they want. It was me being an unemployed college grad or, or PhD holder. <laughs> so I finished my degree in my last degree, which is a PhD in 2010. It was a very challenging time with a recession going on. And so there weren't many jobs that were available and there were even less jobs available in my discipline. So for a while, I was like, what am I doing? I was depressed. I was like, I have to move back home. And this was, you know, after being away from home since I was 17, I went to college and now finishing a, a doctorate and having to go back home to try to figure life out. It was not an easy journey. And so when I, I finally, you know, I was finding jobs here and there and I, came across another PhD holder who was working a job that was well, like she was, you know, way too overqualified for her and I were both working it. And she was an older woman. And I said, wait a minute now, this, this is not where I need to be headed. How do we figure this thing out where, you know, we have this education, how do we use it in a way that doesn't necessarily have to match the industry that we study, but to create very viable careers. And so I started trying to think of things that I could do, seeing it off of my skills, my talents, and also who I know, like developing my connections to open doors for me. So that's, it was basically a personal journey. And then when I became a professor, my students, some, some of them ended up not getting hired after they graduated. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. I can't, you know, have you all experiencing the same thing I went through. How do I work with students to help them prevent and avoid the pitfalls I went down? And so that's kind of how Dump Your Degree started with me doing research, but also just giving the practical advice that I wish that I had before I started higher education. Yeah, because it's really fascinating to look at what you have written. And uh, I think it's on your website that you offer people a chance to, to read the book. It's not out yet. That's going to be out soon, but you have a chapter on there. It's about how you can, as a student, get skills and you can acquire different sort of just skills. And so you need to focus on skill acquisition. And so in terms of you as a student, what were some of the skills, I guess, that you wished you'd learned when you were a student to help you further on your journey? Well, I'm, I'm a people person. I call myself an introverted extrovert because I am extroverted, but um, I, I kind of tend to like to kind of be very private into myself at times. But, you know, we hear about networking and we think of networking events or what have you, but really relationship building, professional relationship building and keeping communication open, looking for opportunities and how to add value to other people so that 
when there's a chance or a time that you may need them to open doors or to head you in the right direction, you have that network, that those connections that could be available to you. I think, I wish I would have learned that or looked at that more when I was in school, as opposed to thinking, okay, now I have the degree, the job will just show up once I put in my application. And it's definitely more to it. And it's definitely a kind of like an art to creating these relationships. It's not just, like I said, going to a network and event and exchanging contacts or whatnot. There's a, you have to, to build these relationships that will benefit you, not just to benefit you, but that are mutually beneficial to make sure that opportunities, you know, are always available to you. When people see an opportunity, they think of you. So I, I wish that I had known that or how to do that when I was uh, in school. I think you spoke about there were some people that were really helpful and mm -hmm. in different moments of your life that you would say as pivotal. Did you have any mentors that helped you along the way to discover this is what you should be doing? This is the things, pitfalls. Was there anyone there to help you and walk you through that kind of thing? Yes and no. So I'm not a first generation college grad. A lot of times people, you know, think that first-generation college grads have the hardest time navigating higher education. My, my mother has a bachelor's degree. My grandmother has a master's degree in education. Both of them were educators, though they were educators in a different level than I was as far as they were, you know, focused on early childhood education and I was higher education. But so they, they mentored me, encouraged me as far as my higher education path was concerned. But again, you know, and of course I had mentors in my graduate studies that was a requirement. But as far as navigating my career, I kind of was trial and error, really. <laughs> Just trying to figure out, you know, the path ahead and and having mentors that were not necessarily connected to me, but finding mentorship in people who were out, you know, via the internet and, and things like reading books and things like that. Yeah. Have there been any books that you would say really inspired you and helped you to achieve those kind of things? Ah, so it, the one of the more recent books that I really like is You Are a Badass and Make Your Money. That was one of my favorite books more recently because I like how Jen puts together practical information, but also I'm big on the power of the mind and opening, you know, your your consciousness to see opportunity a lot of times people when they face challenges they kind of start from that challenge and they only see the challenge in it like I was on a show recently being interviewed about the book and someone said something like oh well it's easier for an x y and z group of people to be successful because they already have x y and z and I don't or we don't and so starting from the challenge will keep you in a, in a challenging situation if you don't expand your mind, right? And so many people have become successful because they didn't start with the challenge. They, they focused on the ability to get to where they wanted to get to. So I read a lot of books about overcoming, about using the power of your mind and building confidence to accomplish anything. So that's one book and things like, you know, the power of your subconscious mind and all kinds of other books like that really motivate me to have the will to do, you know, to move my career along. It is really incredible how people take for granted, like, their what's up here, you know? 
their mind. Mm-hmm. So they don't really, it's not really exercised as much as, you know, a person would exercise their body, but it needs to mm-hmm. be, you know, different mm-hmm. things you can do. One thing that I've re- really found to be really helpful in doing that is is gratitude and just being grateful for many different things and it's like really weird because one of the things like i'm grateful for like i want to say like these sunglasses that i have over here and then what i really found really interesting about like these sunglasses right over here is that i got these these sunglasses for like i think mowing the lawn and so I connect mm-hmm. my, my gratefulness to a memory, to a happy memory. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. like makes it. me happy. And so mm-hmm. that makes me mm-hmm. just elevates my mood a little bit, you know? And so it's like, oh, like, and, the, and again, <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't mean to do this, but I linked like this item over here to skill acquisition, mm-hmm. going the lawn. Yeah, I definitely feel that uh, one of my favorite authors to read is Florence Scobble Shin, and she was what they would consider like an esoteric teacher of thought wisdom. And so she she was big on like affirming and gratitude, being thankful. So I, I definitely connect with you there. And one of the affirmations that she said was, I look with wonder at that which is before me. So it could just be the simplest thing, but being grateful actually it, it's kind of it builds the momentum of more positive things surrounding and coming to you so i definitely understand you there yeah and so in terms of being grateful um were there any things that you had to in a way in a weird way had to force yourself to be grateful about during some hard times that you had throughout your yeah. career <laughs> this whole journey you know, now looking back, I, even though the challenges were hard, being unemployed for a, a decent amount of time, working jobs that I was overqualified for, it didn't feel good while I was going through it. But now turning, and that, that's why at the beginning of my book, the dedication is to the reader. And I, and I say to the reader for make their obstacles become opportunities. And that's just basically the end all of what I want you to take away. I want you to come out of this, no matter what situation you're in, whether you're a student, if you are a graduate or a career professional, you're always going to face challenges in your career one way or another. You're going to either face challenges in your education, your career or both. And so I'm definitely grateful that I was able to come out of my challenges and be able to help guide others so that they can avoid those challenges or when they face them, they have the tools and the skills to know how to overcome them. Yeah, that that is a really good way of putting that, yeah. So in terms of the book, they say people, students should acquire different skills and <laughs> there are different types of, of skills that you list in the book. And I'm mm-hmm. curious because some of them are skills that are, and you tell a story in the in the chapter about it's a friend of yours in, I think it was high school, who wanted mm-hmm. to become a plumber. And he was, he was really adamant about that. And uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that you wrote about was that during like a t- teacher going around the room, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kind of, kind of like morning meeting kind of thing. He was really adamant about being a plumber and the teacher really like questioned him about 
like it's like stop joking around dude. what do you really want to be and it's like you guys and a couple of your friends are like no it's like he really wants to be a plumber and it is the the idea of careers and things that are really people will look at blue collar work is what it is blue collar mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. and that it's not really that fancy stuff to do in terms of students and skill acquisition Mm-hmm. Do you believe that there should be some sort of way for them to acquire those those basic like labor skills so that whenever they need to, they can always pull out of their pocket and apply it? I definitely do, but I think that we already have that. The problem is people look down on them, as I mentioned in the book, right? So you don't have to go to college, right? You can just go and acquire trade skills, go to vocational trade school and do that. Or you can go to college, the traditional, you know, four-year route or what have you, and still go out and get a trade degree, diploma, certificate. You don't have to do either or. And so college is there for what it's there for. And if you want to work with your hands or have a skilled trade, trade school is there. And again, I just think that people diminish the value of blue collar work when it can be very lucrative. It can be very enjoyable. People think, oh, it's just work that people don't enjoy. As you mentioned, my the friend in high school, he enjoyed what he, you know, he enjoyed going to work with his uncle and working with his hands. Everybody doesn't have to be a blue collar, a white collar worker. And so the other thing that you put in there is you have a list in here. And the the first one is, yeah, learn a trade. Second one is acquire certifications. And so in terms of acquiring certifications, are there any specific certifications that you found in your research that that have a, a really high ROI on them? It just depends. So, of course, anything like, well, not anything, but a lot of tech related engineering, mechanical, like those types of things I've seen have good ROI that actually, when I was looking at lists, I was like, these jobs are paying more than I was making as a professor. So in it, and when you say ROI, there are even um, certification programs that may not have the best, but you can monetize them in the way where they give you a better ROI. So it also is about what you put into the job, right? So you have people, you know, you can say, is a barber making good money? Yeah. Maybe not, but then there are celebrity barbers and there are barbers who travel and there, you know what I'm saying? So it's what you put into a career is what you get out of it as well. So even in relation to degrees, you might get a degree in something that doesn't have a great ROI, but you can monetize it in a way that it does. It ends up having one. And then the next thing is that I really found interesting and it is very contrary to the way that the current system, school system, education system has put in place. And that is that students, instead of waiting until their, their sophomore, junior year, they should start interning immediately for positions at different offices, different organizations that they want to be a part of. And so as a student, this school year into college, first year, how should you convinced your advisor you should be interning for certain positions you don't need to you don't have to ask an advisor anything you can create your own opportunities listen my when I was young I really aspired to become an intern and my mom knew this 
And so from the, I don't know if this, I mean, it's volunteer work, so I don't know if this is legal, but she said, okay, you want to be an attorney? 12 years old, I had been volunteering with the legal aid, right? Doing work. I would go and volunteer or do shadowing of attorneys. And I'm looking back now, I'm like, what's that legal? Because I was running errands, doing all kinds of stuff, courthouse, jailhouse, all kinds of stuff. But the point is, you don't have to ask permission. You just need to ask for the mentorship or the internship. You create your own internships. So you can find time in your schedule to to intern when it's convenient for you. And you don't have to let a professor or an advisor. Of course, if there's a way to get school credit or some type of credit, you can definitely do that. But don't, yeah, don't wait on somebody else to give you permission. <laughs> yeah. And so what you did was that you, another one on your list, yeah, you became an apprentice in that situation in terms of learning under someone, shadowing people, figuring out how the system works, Mm -hmm. what you should do. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I I recommend that highly because then not only with the apprenticeship, you're learning a skilled trade and it will help you, of course, in in the long run in your profession. And it'll help you with any certification programs or what have you. And you can create a viable business from that hands-on training. So highly recommend that. Yeah. And then the last one on your list is to become a freelancer. And so in your, in your research for the book, have you found any specific freelancer jobs? I'm supposing that it's going to be again, like in the, the tech sector, or coding, something like that, in terms of freelancing positions, but anything that you've found in your research? Oh, it can be in anything. I'm literally, you can monetize and freelance anything. I'm seeing people freelance advice and making money from, I will be your advisor, you know, but it could be anything, writing, it could be editing, you know, it could be anything. I've, I actually, even with this book, most of the, matter of fact, my whole team is freelancing, right? I found them through freelance, whether it was my publicist to the designer, to the editor, to the proofreader, to everybody was a freelancer. Even down to getting media, you know, was someone who was freelancing in PR who actually quit her job because she was making more as a PR freelancer than she was working for a company. And I hear those stories all the time. So you can legit monetize pretty much anything. (laughs) Well, that's really incredible, just in terms of the versatility (laughs) that that even has. Yeah. And yeah. And there's so many sites out there. I interviewed a guy on the show about his, he created this own freelancing site. And it's really like, like really incredible how many talented people there are out there that have skills and that are well-versed in multiple subjects that they could then apply to someone else mm-hmm. to help them to grow their own business or to help them with the project or anything like that. It's just really incredible how many people are on those sites and that they can, Mm -hmm. you can tap into that as a resource to use for sure. Even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be as, as you are doing, looking for them, going to freelancers to help you with different aspects of what you're doing or you being a freelancer yourself and filling in for certain aspects of someone else's endeavors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Definitely. And so you got your degree 
in in religions and religious studies why did you do that why why religion and religious studies it was a passion of mine i enjoyed i again i mentioned i wanted to go to law school and when i found out you don't need to major in pre-law political science type field you can pretty much major in anything i ended up switching my major to philosophy and religion and i felt i'm just fascinated by the topic i'm fascinated by different cultures traditions spiritual you know belief systems and i felt like it gave me a not only was i fascinated by the subject but it also allowed me to understand people and cultures because i love to travel so it was just something that i like doing and i also was really big on like interfaith work conflict resolution social justice things and and religion studying you know the subject of religion. people think religion and theology are the same thing which they're two different fields but so people always oh you went to seminary and i'm like no different <laughs> different subject but it was just something that i i thoroughly enjoyed yeah and even studying i'm a student of theology and so even mm -hmm. Like looking at the studying theology in different aspects in terms of, as you said, interfaith mm -hmm. dialogue and all the other aspects of looking to other religions and other different fields of faith that then combine into, into Christianity and other religions as well. Mm -hmm. It's really incredible how, how similar and common things are just across thematically across each religion yeah. in such a way that is, it's kind of spooky whenever you look at it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. It's also very fascinating and wondrous as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of you being a professor, mm -hmm. what did you find to be a, a degree that students were better off taking? to help them further on in their, in their later on career? One, I mean, I, I always say, I feel like I'm contradicting myself is something that they're passionate about, which might not give them the best return on investment, but if they know, learn how to make a career out of their passion, then that's what is the best. Right. So like I mentioned in the book, an artist student I had who was, excellent in my classes and I found out that he was not doing so well in his other class and even in my class you know when he showed up he showed up he was answering questions he was having guy like conversation and you know I'm, my classes were very conversational I believe in you know having healthy discourse and you know talking about things and not just listening to me lecture and so when I found out he was failing in other classes I'm like what's going on and it was I sat him down and come to find out he was an artist he was a poet and so we had to have a talk about whether or not he should stay in college. He ended up, you know, as I mentioned in the book, continuing his education. But now, and since then, he has become an artist, right? He has worked in his art and tied his degree into his art. So that would, to me, that's a we. But it's what we're talking more practical, right? When we're talking about um, which degrees just in and of themselves have the best return on investment. Of course, things in, in tech, STEM, you know, those types of things. Of course, you know, when people go into like medical fields, that's always going to be something that's going to give you a good return. Yeah. So I would say STEM, tech, those things. What is your view on, on student loans in terms of college debt and 
students taking out loans for so many things, like, you know, their courses, uh, the cars, the place of residence. But what is your view? What is your solution? I guess I'd have to say to the student loan crisis and students being free from being free from college. Mm -hmm. I think that's the longest chapter in my book. Don't make a deal with the debt. And I think student loan debt is evil. I think that is, you know, horrible that you're giving 17, 18 year olds access to that type of money to go into debt or something that may not give them a return. And so they're starting their life with it. Right. And then they come out with a job making, you know, little money. And so what was the investment wasn't great. And I think I saw online that, you know, somebody said it, at 18, you can sign up for all this debt for school, but you wouldn't be able to go get a business loan for the same amount. <laughs> they look at you like you were crazy, right? For the most part, not to say that you can't start a business at 18 and get funded. You could, right? But on average. So I think student loan debt is horrible. I do give ways in which I have found are helpful in paying student loans back. But my number one advice is to not take out student loan debt at all. Um, if you can afford and that gives options for that, right? Like, you know, starting off at a community college, finding free schools, whether in the U.S. or abroad, you know, or if you have the debt, working for employers that will pay it off, getting your debt forgiven in other ways. So, but I think still all that's horrible. Yeah, and I like how you put it in your book as a chapter. Don't make a deal <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the debt bill, the D-B-E-V-I-L. Yeah, that's just really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I really like also that you have different spots after your chapters where people can write out, mm -hmm. like, this is how I want to apply this chapter over here. Like, what are the next mm -hmm. steps I have to do? And I really like that you also have it's you have quotes from different people at the start of the chapter, mm -hmm. and you also have mm -hmm. affirmations in there as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious about the affirmations. How did you mm -hmm. go about designing those for your book? Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned, I'm a big proponent of the power of the mind. And I guess bringing in my background in ancient thought, new thought, you know, subconscious mind, that kind of thing, what people call mind science. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to create a career. There's one thing to like start planning that career or setting goals. But then there's another to affirm and to have the confidence and the, the knowledge that you can achieve whatever it is that you're setting your mind to. So I put those affirmations in there just as kind of meditative kind of things that you can do. To get your mind right, I'm, I, like I tell people, it first starts in your mind because you can do all of these things, apply all of these tools, but if you don't feel like you can do it, then it will work. But if you have the confidence in yourself, then you're there. <laughs> yeah, mindset really is incredible in terms of the the focusing and making sure that you're laser focused on a certain thing. And whenever you do that, usually everything you see, and that's when you start to see the opportunities around you to utilize everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like right. dedication, look mm -hmm. obstacles and opportunities and obstacles. You need to make sure that right. whenever you look around, it's like, oh, like I can use like that thing over there, that thing over there. And you create this step mm -hmm. ladder that pops, that helps you over like the, the mountain right. that you need to to conquer. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So how did the pandemic affect you in terms of what you were doing? Were you a professor at that time or were you? I was. I, I mentioned that in the book as well. I don't want to give too much away. I want the people to go and buy it, but <laughs> I'll tell the story. Yeah, it it impacted me. At the time, I was pregnant with my second child. And in the middle of the pandemic, I had our my, my toddler. It was about two at that time. And so I didn't know what was going, you know, early, nobody knew what this thing was, right? And then, so as my students start saying, that, you know, we think this thing is serious, we finally went on a break, like where we were doing remote work, which was good. And then I was teaching in Florida at that time. So <laughs> I don't know if you follow politics in Florida, but that was one of the states that were like, hey, everybody back in immediately <laughs> type thing. And I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Because I, at that, you know, when they told me I had to go back in the classroom, it was in the height of the pandemic. And I had just given birth to my daughter and I had a toddler at home. It's like, so am I supposed to just go and put them somewhere so that I can teach? And I was not willing to make that decision. And so, yeah, I, since then I have transitioned out of the classroom. And so that was the, the catalyst that really helped you to just yeah, get started <laughs> and everything. It's really incredible yep. how this pandemic really helped people get things into perspective in terms of there you go. making sure it's like, I'm doing this thing. I've been doing it for the last 10 years. I don't want to right. keep on doing this. And so it right. gives them, right. Right. it's kind of weird. It's kind of like it gives them an excuse to do what they what they really want to do. But just, yeah, it's really sort of unfortunate because except if, if that didn't happen, then what would you have done? Gone for another 10 years, kept on doing what you were doing. Right. And it's really kind of debilitating in terms of it's that people believe that unless circumstances are unfavorable, that they cannot do what they want to do. Yeah. But they definitely, I mean can do it whenever they want to do it if they have the wherewithal to do it absolutely do it and mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's no excuse to not do it kind of thing right exactly yeah and so how would you describe your book to a new student someone just getting into college looking at mm -hmm. stuff online it's like oh and you, and you mentioned in the book it's like traditional traditional advertising for colleges has gone out the window mainly and now it's just like social media posts and like little spots on tv mm -hmm. and so what would you describe your book as to a new fresh freshman looking to go into school Mm -hmm. I would tell a, a, a freshman that the book would help them. I, actually, I think that that's in the best position to read the book because it kind of gives them advice all along the way, right? So you're just entering. How do you plan out your academic career? How do you avoid certain financial pitfalls while you're in school? And then what do you do to develop your career while still in school and after you graduate? So it kind of gives them a little bit of a roadmap for starting and also after they finish. Well, that's nice because it really seems as if it's kind of like the the cheat codes to school. Yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah, it helps all like the students. That. Just it's like, oh, you know, 
you got a left, 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 right, right, left. It was one of those, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to like, <laughs> yeah. And so it just helps yeah. you to just get over that. And so you see this thing swerve out of the way over here. And so it's really mm-hmm. nice and really wonderful that there's a resource like this. Yeah. And so the, the tagline for your book, mm-hmm. how do you repurpose your education, control your career? and gain financial freedom. I'm curious, what is financial freedom to you in terms of this person <laughs> getting a degree? Right. Right. So to not, ha- to basically have financial stability where you have the knowledge of how to manage your finances and you don't feel stuck, right? So like me, it was so many things I didn't know as a young adult. And I want you to have the freedom to not be enslaved to debt, whether that's student loan debt, credit card debt, but also the freedom to enjoy life and not feel like you have to do work that you don't enjoy in order to just survive. So having the ability, so I give them little keys about how to budget, how to avoid debt, how to pay down debt, how to plan for retirement, how to retire early, or, you know, give them the insights to go and get that knowledge on their own. Right. And so that's what freedom means to me, to be able to enjoy your career and not feel like you have to live paycheck to paycheck or, or just to survive. Yeah. And I really like your example there. Yeah. It, it, you're not trying to survive. You really want to want to thrive, want to blossom, want to make sure yeah. that you're out there interacting and moving, you're a shaker, you're doing different things, you're doing what you really want to do. And right. it's more like the idea of, like I can now take like two days off of work and I can go international. I can, you know, go off. I can go visit the pyramids. I can, you know, I could be there for a week and then come back if I want to, that kind of thing. And right, right. Yeah, that is very funny. Financial freedom in terms of people currently, it's that they are, and I like how you put it, they're enslaved to that. And it's that idea of I have to, I have to work here. I have to do this thing. I have to do it because I need to pay this off in order for me to then go ahead and to finally be free to do all the things that I want to do. But yeah, it really is kind of like you're, you're trapped in that cycle. You're enslaved to whether it be organization or the in terms of like student loans and, and any other kind of debt that is that has no return on investment right. debt wise. Yeah. And so it doesn't make any sense. But fortunately we have your book, Computer Degree. Oh. And it's a <laughs> a guide to repurpose your education, control your career, and to gain that financial freedom. Yeah. yeah. So Zaki, who would you say has been an influence in your life as a person of color, a black person that has really helped you? Who do you look to? It can be, it can, they can be real or they can be fictional. Oh, for this. Well, as you said, is it the opening of my the first person that I quote is uh, Madam C.J. Walker and she basically is talking about creating your opportunities and I think about a woman 
a black woman in the time she was living becoming a millionaire from her own hands, right? She had every reason to to uh to have excuses if if they're worthy. <laughs> and instead of having excuses, she created opportunities. So I think that has been one of the biggest inspirational mentors from afar as to speak, so to speak. But so many others, but that one stands out. And I think that's why I put her at the the open her quote at the opening of the book. Yeah, she really is an incredible human person. Yes. Yeah. Very, very, very hard things to overcome. And what's been even more even the more like sort of like wild that she was able mm-hmm. to do what she did despite the times. And that's even incredible exactly. in and of itself. Yeah. Exactly. It's just it's amazing. So Zakia, thank you very much for being on the show. I have one last question for you, and that is, if you had the ability to send a worldwide text, what would your message be? Oh, a worldwide text, what would my message be? Oh, God. Two things come to mind. Is there only one? Can I? Let me think. You can send both of them if you want to. I can be both of them. Okay. It can be a long text. (laughs) Okay. Two things that are are like guiding principles for me. One is I would tell people, don't conform. (laughs) Do not conform to what society, other people say, think, you know, but to create your own path. And yeah, that would be the main thing because I'm big, I'm a proponent on nonconformity following your own bliss, your own purpose. And then the other thing would be, as I mentioned several times, is to believe in the power of your own mind and your own abilities, to look within for everything that you need. I love that do not conform. It's really (laughs) incredible because I think it's in in Romans 12. um, Mm -hmm. It's uh, do not become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And so it's the idea mm-hmm. that you're just a drone and other drones are doing mm-hmm. this thing. Okay. You must also do this thing. And so it's, yeah, you need to like break out of the mm-hmm. system and make sure that you are a, an independent thinker. And again, yeah. power of your own mind. Power of your own mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, Zakia, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank um, you. Is there anywhere where the listeners and the watchers can get your new book? Mm-hmm. My book, Dump Your Degree, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Walmart. On most online retailers where you can buy books, it's there. So I know a lot of people prefer Amazon, but yeah, it's available IndieBound, all kinds of platforms. So they can check it out there. Well, that's wonderful, Zakia. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Black Gold Podcast, Stories of Black Dreamers and Doers. Please go ahead and subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now so that it can reach more people. 
If you want to get in touch with me personally, go ahead and send me an email at blackgoldpod at gmail.com. If you want to talk about the show or if you want to talk about how to create your own podcast, where you can find people and talk with them about the topic of your interest. If you want to go further into doing that, make sure to go to www.blackgoldpod.com and go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom and get yourself a copy of the Side Gig Podcast Guide. It's a guide that I put together for you to start a quality podcast on a low budget. So go ahead and do those things, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.